Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Amen. All right, they're going to pass those things along. And hey, good to see you guys. Thanks for coming. You made it, even though it was slushy and gross outside. I knew you could do it. You guys online, you didn't make it, but I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being with us. Today, uh, I want to talk about, uh, uh, really not even just today, for the next couple of weeks, I want to do a, a short series that we'll call Greater Reward, A Greater Reward. Um, you know, part of this is uh, that I, I listened to an interview with Kevin Hart recently, and I like Kevin Hart, uh, but one of the things that kind of struck me is that he, he just talked about that his main objective, his goal, that, that life was a game, and really it, it just sounded like every bit of it was about just trying to find new ways to get money, and that that was the game, that's what life was, and that that's what he was devoting everything to, and that was his reward. And I just kept thinking about it that they do not take U.S. dollars in heaven. That they don't take yen. They don't take, you know, Canadian loonies or toonies. That this short little part and piece of it is a blip on the radar of everything that there is. That there's a greater reward. And that... Not just uh, like eternity doesn't start the day that we die, that we're going, oh, I can't wait to, to die so things can really get going. Eternity is, is now. It's going on. We're in, uh, you know, we're in a different house at the moment. We have a different address. But we're in the midst of eternity. And there are greater rewards out there. Uh, to get to these greater rewards, these kingdom rewards, um, you know, some of us try to, to set goals or come up with ways that we can, you know, be better or do better or grow in some way. And one of the strange things about this year is, uh, for the first time, we really didn't do anything around uh, New Year's resolutions or goals, or dreams, or anything. Every year, we at least spend a couple weeks digging into that about what do you want to do, how do you want to grow, how do you want to change, and it was kind of like at the, you know, now we're at the end of January, but at the very beginning, I was like, I, I don't know. I think my, my goal, well, any of you want 2021 to be different than 2020? Like, that was pretty much the only resolution. Dear God, please, do not let this year be anything similar to last year. But I know that most of you want something different for this year, and I don't mean with, you know, that the virus would be gone, or that uh, at least now we don't have to deal with um, all of the, the, the crazy political race for president and things like that going on, we can possibly settle back into some of our personal 
things that we worry about, the things that we want to be different. They could be, you know, the normal stuff. Lose weight. I want to lose weight. I want to go to the beach and not feel like a schlub. I don't want to consider wearing a t-shirt into the water. For some of you, it might be paying off debt this year. That I don't, I don't want to have this debt hanging over me anymore. I want to pay off debt. I want to be free. I want to pay off my house. I want to pay off my car. Some of you, it might be you want a better marriage. 2020 killed some marriages. Some of you, you just want to be closer to God. You want to be closer to God. And so a lot of times we set a goal of some kind. If you've set a a resolution um, and maybe you've had the experience where you start strong, but then it's like in, in just a few weeks or even just a few days, it, it just drops off the map. I had a, a brief glimmer, like, I think I'm going to join that gym by my house. And then it was right after, it was like January 2nd, the gym closed. I was like, well, I guess I don't have to do that. Go buy some Reese cups. So, one of the guys that comes to my mind um, when I think about someone who achieved an incredible amount, somebody that we can look up to in the faith, uh, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was the one who didn't believe in Christ at first. Then he saw the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. He locked eyes with him, went temporarily blind by the light that was emanating from Jesus, Paul himself raised the dead. Paul himself saw signs and wonders and miracles and all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit come alive in his life. The Apostle Paul wrote one-third of the New Testament that we read. This is a guy that we can trust. You know, This is a hero of the faith. And I just want to read to you what, what he what he says that I find kind of interesting because he, it seems like he's got it together way more than I do. But he writes this in Romans chapter 7. He says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Then he says this, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Other translations of the Bible say, What a wretched man I am. He says, Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Today, The title of the message would be, Help, I Need Somebody. Not just anybody. And what we're going to focus in on is uh, some things around discipline. We've talked about discipline a couple times over the past year. And when I started putting this together, I, 
a lot of times I'll go, no, we talked about that recently. We shouldn't talk about that. Again. But the thing, I'm like, am I, am I better at this yet? Are the people around me better at it? Are we getting it? Are we doing it? Uh, I, I think we might have to hit some other parts of it. And the part I want to hit today is that discipline, discipline gets a bad rap. We're like, Ugh, discipline, that's a negative word. But discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. What do I want most even more than what I want now? What I want now is pizza. <laughs> what I want now, what I want now is to send that text message that's way too flirty that I shouldn't be sending and get some kind of a some kind of a, a feeling back from. Most of us have kind of similar goals and hopes and desires and dreams. Um, similar stuff. We all kind of want this, the same things. We want uh, to be healthy. We want to be financially strong. We want to be in a, if, you know, if we're married, we want it to be a good marriage. Or we, we want to find a good partner to be married to. Um, even though most of us have very similar goals overall, we end up with different results. I talked with somebody the other day who it sounded like their deepest desire was to have an excellent marriage. But they find themselves divorced four times now. Their deepest desire seems to be an excellent marriage, but they're on their fourth divorce. We have similar goals, but we have different results. And so we'll say, you know, I, I want this to happen. I hope that this will happen. I'd like to see this. I'm going to try this. And those, those are our desires. Like, I hope, I want, I'd like to see I'm going to try this. Those are your desires, but desires don't determine who you become. Discipline determines who you become. Not your wants. I, I can't tell you the exact thing in church, but I remember uh, as a teenager telling my dad, well, I was hoping that this would happen. And he said, why don't you hope in one hand and expletive in the other and see which one gets full first. that you're hoping isn't going to get it done. And so, do we need to be more disciplined? Here's where I want to go today is to tell you that uh, discipline doesn't mean willpower. Discipline doesn't mean willpower. How many of you right now, you don't have to raise your hand, I'm betting there are some of you in this room right now who are white-knuckling it through something, this willpower that don't, no, I can't do that thing, I can't do that thing, I can't do that thing, don't do that thing. If you are relying completely on willpower, it's not going to work. Willpower is like a, a muscle, and if you keep working willpower too hard, um, you're going to strain it, it's going to get tired, it's going to get worn out. It's going to become weak, and you're going to give in to those donuts at the office. 
You walk past him the first six times. Mm-mm, not even Time number seven. <sighs> Man, my willpower's sore. As believers, um, there are certain things that we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be good. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to read the Bible. We're supposed to be nice. We're supposed to serve people. We're supposed to be generous. We're supposed to also be not bad. That don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't, uh, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do. <laughs> don't yell at stores, at employees or managers. Don't do certain things. And so we try. We try to uh, overcome different sinful desires with our willpower. If all we are doing is trying, I'm going to, spoiler alert, you're going to give in eventually. Eventually you're going to give in. And all of a sudden you did. You took it. You smoked it. You touched it. You clicked on it. You bought it. You ate the whole thing. What I've found is that uh, before you fail at something, whatever it is that you're trying not to fail at, before you fail at it, the devil is whispering to you, it's not that big of a deal. Before you fail at it, he's saying, it doesn't really matter. That's, That's no biggie. And right after you fail, he comes in and says, you're horrible. How could you do that? You call yourself a Christian? The reason the enemy, Satan, does this is because your identity matters greatly. Your identity matters. And so he tries to trap you in these things where he can get a label on you and he can get a certain identity in your brain where you can agree with. And here's where the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 7, what does he say? Oh, what a miserable person I am. What a miserable person I am. This is where if it were me, I, have, I, I didn't have a chance, I wasn't there, I would have rebuked Paul. So don't speak that evil into existence. Don't speak that identity over yourself. Oh, what a miserable person I am. What a wretched person I am. And so here's where uh, many of us find ourselves. In the place that, that Paul was writing about, I would call it the cycle of shame. I think we have a, a graphic up here. The first one, the, so here it is. So I'm bad. You messed up. You did something you didn't want to do or you didn't do something you've been wanting to do. I'm bad. So I, I'm going to try hard. Again, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to try hard this time. But eventually your willpower is going to weaken there will be an inevitable failure if you're just white-knuckling it, whatever it is. After the inevitable failure, you will be in guilt and shame territory. Oh, what a miserable person I am. And you'll keep going around and around and around. If you, if you climb out of guilt and shame, you're going to climb back to, I'm going to try hard. You're going to land back in the cycle again and again. 
you might get to that place where you're like, something's not working. I am missing something. Here's what I'll tell you. You are not missing something. You're missing someone. Romans 7, Paul keeps going. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. He says in verse 24, who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? And then he, he remembers. He remembers, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God. Who is going to free me? Oh, that's right. There is someone who can free me. And what I'm talking about right now is not behavior modification type stuff. I had a, a conversation with someone a couple weeks ago who uh, did some things that they were not supposed to be doing, and they are now on the sex offenders list. And their, their life is completely changed. <laughs> and when I talked to him about what does he have to do now, what is, you know, what... What is changing? Like, is, is he being taught anything? Is he grow? Yada, yada, yada. He, he just started telling me about these different things that, well, you know, I'm not allowed to go in this area. And so now instead of going to, I, I had to quit going to the gym I was going to, and now I have to go to this place. And everything he was telling me was about modifying his behavior now. That he had to change the way that he was doing everything and just modify it. I'm not talking about modifying your behavior. I'm talking about a spiritual transformation that has to take place. And it can only happen if you are looking to, if you're looking to Christ to be able to, to step in all these areas that, that you think you're supposed to just try harder. It's about your identity about who you are, not about what you did or not about something that you said, not about something that you think. It's about who you actually are, who God says you are. Yes. That your identity will give you a new opportunity to develop different disciplines that are not just behavior modifications. They're not just... Um, they're not just things that you're going to try. They're a different way of doing things because of who you are. That you belong to Jesus now. And so you would say, I belong to Jesus. So therefore, this has to happen. Anybody Game of Thrones fans? A Lannister always pays his debts. A Lannister always pays his debts. This was an identity statement from Tyrion Lannister that came up again and again and again and again. And what I loved about it is that it didn't have anything to do what he felt like doing or what he was going to try to do. It was who he is. A am I going to try to not pay this guy that I owe? No, a Lannister always pays his debts. It's who I am. It's part of my identity. Identity is... Very different than willpower. I just had a conversation with a friend before service this morning. He said that every week that she's been trying to get to church, it's like the enemy is attacking. Something happens every week to try to keep her from coming to church. And 
that she just has figured out that she's not going to set a goal anymore. Like it kept being the goal is, I'm, I'm, my goal is to go to church uh, every week or as often as I can. Or if this, or, and so she said, I'm, not, I'm not doing a goal anymore. I'm just doing it because it's what I do now. It's who I am. Who am I? I'm a person that goes to church every week. I belong to Jesus. And so this is a part of my identity. I don't, I don't need to try or come up with a goal. This is who I am. Galatians chapter 5. Paul says, And so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That word flesh comes up 147 times in the New Testament. Um, flesh is not your skin. When flesh is mentioned, it's talking about the fallen, sinful nature that all of us have looming over us. It's talking about that thing that calls back to you and tries to drag you back into the pit. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 said, We don't put any confidence in our flesh because your flesh is your willpower. Your flesh is your try. It's, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a go and see what I can do. Do you want to give it a try? Or do you want to step into an identity where you know, this is who I am, so therefore this is what I do? There's a word, peripateo, a Hebrew word, peripateo, that talks about it's a, it's a present tense verb that is a continuous regular action. It's a habitual way of life. It is a, a, a discipline that you get into. It becomes a part of your everyday thing. I hear a lot, I hear a lot of people um, speak Christianese. They especially speak Christianese when they find out I'm a pastor. They're like cussing up a storm, trying to sell me drugs. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor at this church. <laughs> oh, bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Blessed, highly favored, yada, yada, yada. But one of the, the Christianese uh, sayings that I hear a lot is that I, I, I was taking a step of faith. I, I was taking a step of faith. Um... Anybody take a step of faith recently? Here's my suggestion. Take another one. Keep taking them. Keep ta it's not one step. And whenever we get into thinking it's a step of faith, I, I did the thing that I was supposed No, you're supposed to walk with the Spirit of God. And it's step after step after step after step. It's every day. It's keeping going. It's keeping doing it. It becomes a habit. It's not over yet. It's walking with him. It takes a little while. You're not running. The rewards of the flesh are those immediate things. They're the cookie or the text message or the, the $20 bill swiped. Those... You know, those lasting rewards, those greater rewards are the ones where you would have 
you'd have a strong and intimate marriage where you'd have a godly legacy you leave behind, where you would have a funeral someday where it's standing room only loaded with people who want to tell stories about who you are and how you changed them. Those greater rewards are financial freedom, that I paid off my house and so now... I can bless somebody ridiculously. To do these kind of things requires a discipline that I believe comes from an identity and not a, um, you know, not a willpower. It's that identity that says, I belong to Jesus. Well, how are you going to complete that goal that you came up with? Well, it's not really a goal anymore. It's just who I am. I belong to Jesus. I got another graphic up here. I belong to Jesus. Therefore, instead of trying and hoping and I'd like toing, I'm going to depend on the Spirit to get me through this thing. I don't really know how it's all going to play out, but I know I belong to Jesus. I know he's with me. I know he has my back. I know that he goes before me and he's to the side of me and that his word says, even if I'm all by myself, I am still four deep with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit supporting me. I'm going to depend on him. When I depend on him, it ends up building my faith. It grows. When my faith is built up, it starts empowering right actions. What I mean with this is that, um, like, I was praying about massive sin at the very beginning. Massive, glaring, like should have been arrested sin. Once I moved past that, little things started to appear about my selfishness and my, uh, you know, just my heart. Smaller things. As my faith grew, it empowered right actions in other areas. When that started happening, I grew closer to God. I kept getting closer to Him. When I'm closer to Him, I keep depending on the Spirit to see me through stuff. I'm recognizing if I'm close to Him, I don't need to, I don't need to try as hard. I can let go of that. All of a sudden, I'm not shame-driven anymore. Any of you feel like you've been shame-driven your whole life? Like you, You've been steered in the direction that your life is in right now because you got caught at some point and you were shamed. Or you were ashamed of yourself. Instead of being shame-driven be spirit-led. I'm not trying to control my flesh. I'm depending on the Spirit of God to help me through this thing. Because I belong to Jesus. He empowers me to be more like Him. I'm not striving for a certain result or a certain goal. I'm just living from my identity. I'm just being who... I'm being who's on my name tag... 
When you belong to Jesus, you don't have to try to read the Bible. You want to be closer to God. And so anything that you're interested in, uh, you know, I love woodworking, so I look things up on YouTube. If I'm in love with something, I'm going to search for it. I want to know more about it. If I belong to Jesus, I don't need to try to work up the energy to read the Bible. I, I want to because I want to be closer with him. I want to honor God with my life. And so I'll, I'll, I'll start to wake up early or work out or eat right so I can feel good. When you belong to Jesus, you are able to choose what you want most, even if it's, even if it's harder or it takes longer. Uh, you can choose what you want most instead of what you want now. Oh man, I'm going to be running out of time. I, had somebody, I talked about this the other day with someone, and they said, well, it's easy for you. You're a preacher. <laughs> we were talking, I said, it's easy for you to be disciplined. You get paid for it or something. I was like, man, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm a whore. I am not disciplined. I'm not, I'm not disciplined until I'm able to recognize an identity that I have. About uh, 10 years ago or so, um, I did my first triathlon. Uh, we did a triathlon, quite a few people from this church. They challenged me to do it, and everything about my identity kept saying, you're not a person who does triathlons. That was my identity. And I was just surrounded by people who said, no, you got this. Like, and we'll be with you. You're going to do it. And you're not going to try. So he, here's what it is. You got to ride a bike for 18 miles. And then you got to jump into a canoe and paddle for six miles. And then you get out of the canoe and you run for six miles. Uh, or in some variation of those orders. Oh, and one of them is a, a hill up the side of a mountain. And it's muddy. Oh, and yada, yada, yada. But... What I always do with these things is I go, oh my God, okay, so I got to get worked up. I got to get ready to, to try really hard to, to um, ride a bike and see how far I can ride it. Like, no, that's not the plan. You're just, you ride a bike now. You ride a bike now. That's who you are. And if you're doing the triathlon, say, I am someone who does triathlons. And so you just start and you just plan on riding every day for a little bit. You keep getting better at it. You keep going further. It has to become a part of who you are. I got to complete three triathlons with you church weirdos. Thank you. I'm feeling due for another one. None of us have the, the willpower. We don't, I don't think anybody in this room has a gift of willpower that's strong enough to be able to, um, to give you greater rewards that you really want.
so there's this, what I would say is the, 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 the secret greatest fruit of the Spirit. If you've read about the fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, fruits that, you know, just things that grow in your life. If you are giving yourself to God, if you belong to Jesus, certain things are going to sprout. Galatians 5 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the one that's my favorite, self-control. Self-control. Is that my willpower? I don't believe it is. I believe my self-control is a fruit that develops when I draw close to God and I recognize that I belong to Jesus. And so I'm able to control myself because that's who I am now. I don't have to keep trying so hard to do it. So the question in closing would be, what, what is it that you want most? What do you want most rather than like what you want now? What do you want most? Is there a part or piece of your life that you're like, oh, my life is really great, except we're going through bankruptcy? Like, is there one of those little areas? Things are really great except for the, the hoarding and that my family can't come over to my house anymore because it's completely filled with things. What do you want most? And not just what do you want, but who do you want to become? When God's Spirit is in you and you take on that identity of His child that you say, you know what, it's true, I belong to Jesus. This will help you to choose what you want most over whatever it is that you want now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, my prayer uh, for today is that we would be able to recognize that um, you enable us to be disciplined people because you give us a new name. You give us a new identity. You make us a new person. That whoever we think we are, I pray that you would help us to realize that we belong to you, Jesus. That we're sons and daughters of the Most High King. And that if our dad is a king, that means we are princes and princesses in a kingdom. And princes and princesses are entitled to certain things. And they have a certain way that they carry themselves. And they have a a certain type of thing that's just part of their family name, their identity, a piece of their DNA now that dictates the things that they do. God, help us to recognize who we are, that we're your kids, that we belong to you, Jesus, that we don't have to white-knuckle it, try harder, go through the cycle of guilt and shame, that we can grab onto you and say, this is my father. 
and I know he's going to see me through it. I'm going to take a step of faith and another one and another one and another one and another one because I'm going to walk with you for the rest of my days. We pray for your blessing. We pray for your favor. I pray for uh, anyone in this room that they would God, that they'd accomplish more in 2021 than they ever thought possible because they give themselves over to you completely. They step into who they really are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. If anyone wants to receive prayer for anything at all, we'll have some prayer team people over here by the cross. And I, I hope I get to see you soon. Have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.